Good evening and welcome to another episode of Triggered. Thanks for tuning in. Tonight, we're talking with Mark Morgan. Mark is a retired FBI special agent. He served in major roles at the FBI. He led an anti-MS-13 gang task force and later was in charge of FBI training. After the FBI, Mark Morgan ran all three major immigration agencies. He was at the Border Patrol as a chief uh, under both Obama and my father, your favorite president, Donald Trump. He ran ICE under Trump, and he was the Commissioner of Customs and Border Protection under Trump. Given everything that's going on in the world, given the insanity that we're seeing between the FBI, the testimony, uh, the falseness, all of the stuff that's coming out of the Durham report, uh, the the witness tampering, as far as I'm concerned, and the intimidation of whistleblowers, uh, as well as the crisis at the border that is skyrocketing, and now at the end of Title 42, going to be so much worse, I think Mark is going to be the perfect guy. The FBI and the border are so much in the news, it's going to be a great interview, so make sure you like, subscribe on Rumble, so you can get notifications when these kinds of things are happening, because I promise you folks, uh, the administration, the mainstream media, big tech, and others are definitely not going to want to hear what Mark has to say. But first, let's take a look at some of the top and, frankly, most bizarre headlines uh, I could imagine. I mean, the news of the week stuff uh, these, these days is just absolutely crazy. So, first up, uh, in case you're in the market for a women's swimsuit, but wonder how it will fit, even if you're a dude with dude parts. Guys, Adidas, they have you covered. They're now having male models in their women's swimsuits. Uh, check it out and see for yourself if you can uh, handle it. Guys. Who exactly is the target audience for this swimsuit? Uh, if you're a woman, I don't know that you want the extra material there. I think that would look pretty uh, sloppy. I, I think that'd be pretty ridiculous. I don't know that that many men are actually doing it. What's the purpose of this? It's not women, right? That's not the audience. Are there that many dudes in the market for an Adidas swimsuit designed for women? I sort of doubt it. It just seems like the liberals in marketing departments everywhere are trying to please themselves. They're trying to outwoke themselves. And they're letting everyone think that this is normal, folks, and it isn't. But this sort of thinking, it's taken over all of our institutions. It's taken over all of the major corporations out there. I mean, you see the commercial now for the, like, the gay Ford Raptor or whatever that one is. I mean, it, it's just enveloped everything, and it's never going to stop until we call it out. But speaking of institutions that it's taken over, the State Department today is focusing on International Day Against Homophobia, Biphobia, Interphobia, and Transphobia. Yes, folks, that's not actually a joke. I, I don't even know what interphobia is. I, like, what the hell does that even mean? But the various serious people at the State Department, namely Secretary of State Blinken, tweeted, We call for an end to harmful conversion therapy practices. Interesting. <laughs> harmful conversion therapy practices, including those that attempt to change a person's sexual orientation, gender identity, or expression. Uh, I guess, or sex characteristics. So out of curiosity, folks, uh, I think I know what he's trying to do, but I think he's also an idiot. Does he realize that he just came out against practices to change a person's gender and sex characteristics? Isn't that what they're trying to do to our three-year-olds? Isn't that what they're trying to make normal? Isn't that the practice that they're trying to get, uh, you know, carve parents out of to allow a three-year-old to mutilate their body and change their sex characteristics? I mean, it seems so. <laughs> Obviously, he doesn't realize that. 
This is just another example of left-wing logic that flies in the face of reality, but that's never going to stop that. And that brings us to Wired Magazine, which just published what could only be called a love letter to Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. The article goes on and on about how damn smart Pete Buttigieg is. <laughs> Even though everything under the control of Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg seems to be a disaster. You guys remember the train derailments and the air traffic control disasters and East Palestine, Ohio, and all of these things. And how about the minor details of a supply chain crisis affecting 360 million Americans. But, you know, Pete Buttigieg had plenty of time to take some paternity leave and chest feed while uh, Americans sat there not being able to access goods and services. Some of the experts from this article I think you'll appreciate. Sure, the U.S. Secretary of Transportation has thoughts on building bridges, but infrastructure occupies just a sliver of his voluminous mind. Whew. As Secretary Buttigieg and I talked in his under-furnished corner office one afternoon in early spring, I slowly became aware that his cabinet job requires only a modest portion of his cognitive powers. Really? It would be nice if he did his freaking job, if he actually fixed our infrastructure, if he wasn't talking about racist roads and, again, taking paternity leave while Americans are left on the hook. But no, 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 Wired Magazine sees it differently. He is doing a wonderful job despite the very obvious disasters in our transportation department. Again, air traffic control, racist highways, uh, all of the nonsense that we've seen out of this guy. But no, 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 he's a brilliant, a brilliant mind. Even if he's failing, it doesn't matter. He's Pete Buttigieg. He checks off a lot of boxes. We're going to turn him into a brilliant hero doing a wonderful job, even if the statistics would say otherwise. And I quote, with a remarkable blend of intellect and empathy, Pete Buttigieg brings a fresh perspective to the forefront of public discourse. I mean, come on now. <laughs> it's insane. But this is the benefit of being a Democrat. You can mess up the supply chain. Let air travel chaos emerge and happen. You can still be called a once-in-a-generation genius. Of course, the press would rather fawn over Pete Buttigieg than talk about the other things going on in our government, like the scandals at the FBI. Today, the Select Subcommittee on Weaponization revealed mountains of evidence of the FBI's weaponization against conservatives. For example, an FBI whistleblower revealed that an agent at the D.C. office said there were likely FBI undercover officers and confidential human sources at January 6th. Watch for yourself. Washington field office was putting on Boston, and when they tried to get predicate evidence, they couldn't get it for a very interesting reason. This is George Hill. Joe Bonavolante said, no, we're not opening up cases of people who went to a rally. And I forgot a few cards. The SSA for CT2 said, happy to do it. Show us where they were inside the Capitol, and we'll look into it. To which WFO said, we can't show you those videos unless you can tell us the exact time and place those individuals were inside the Capitol. To which the SSA responded back, and I was privy to these conversations firsthand, why can't you show us, why can't you just send us, give us access to the 11,000 hours of video of this incident of failure? Because there may be Maybe UC's undercover officers or CHS's confidential human, or confidential human sources on those videos whose identity we need to protect. Wait, wait a second, folks. Hold, just hold on a second. I was told, we were all told that that was a crazy conspiracy, right? Like, 
like the entrapment with Gretchen Whitmer and all those things led by the FBI, right? It seems they're spending more time trying to create crimes than they are actually solving or preventing them. The report issued by the committee also found the following. The FBI opened investigations on 138 American citizens who merely took buses to D.C. on January 6th to go to a peaceful rally beforehand. They weren't involved at all in any criminal activity, but that doesn't stop the FBI. We've talked about this on the show, right? If your grandmother was within a thousand miles of D.C., she got a visit. Real criminals? Not so much. They get a pass. You guys saw, obviously, this week in the Durham report, the FBI and the leaders of that organization could conspire against the duly elected president of the United States in a soft coup, but that doesn't matter. The First Amendment be damned. Okay, remember, these things are protected activity, but the Washington field office of the FBI didn't give a shit. The report also found out that Bank of America provided the FBI with confidential customer data. This was given over voluntarily, okay? Remember that, folks, when you're doing your banking. They just handed it over. They weren't even asked. If they were asked, it would be really bad, but they voluntarily gave it over, just in case someone spent something near DC. Maybe someone who also, at one point in their life, bought a gun that would signal that maybe they're a conservative. If you don't think this is going to happen again and again unless we put a stop to it ourselves, you haven't been watching that closely. This was given over voluntarily. There was no subpoena. There was no warrant. The data was a list of individuals who made transactions in the D.C. area between January 5th and January 7th. Guys, this is shocking stuff. It shouldn't surprise us, but it should shock us that this is happening in America in 2023, and that it happened in 2020 and 2021. So what did Democrats do with this information? They asked the FBI whistleblowers about tweets from accounts they didn't control. Watch this one. Have you ever used Twitter, yes or no? I have utilized Twitter, yes. Okay, and is your account at Marcus A97050645? That is absolutely not my account. Okay, that's not your account. Well, on December 5th, 2022, an account under the name Marcus Allen retweeted a tweet that said, That quote, is not my account, ma'am. I, you haven't let me finish the question, sir. The football player. You haven't let me finish the question. On Dece- and the time is mine. On December 5th, 2022, an account under the name of Marcus Allen retweeted a tweet that said, quote, Nancy Pelosi staged January 6th Retweet if you agree, end quote. Do you agree with that statement? Yes or no? That, that is, I don't, no ma'am. That's not my account at all. I have I'm no asking idea. whether you agree with that statement, yes or no? Can you please rephrase the statement? Yeah. The Do you think the that has expired. staged January 6th? I just want him to answer he'll answer. He'll answer. Question. Yeah, he'll answer. I'm just telling you your time's up. Do you believe that Nancy Pelosi, do you agree with the statement that this person tweeted that Nancy Pelosi staged January 6th? Yes or no? No. Thank you. I mean, yeah, I'm looking forward to the Wire magazine article calling, I believe that's Congresswoman Linda Sanchez, a genius. Now, it doesn't stop her, right? She's obviously an idiot. She's known to be an idiot in Washington, D.C., and yet she can question FBI agents about Twitter accounts like, the random, like, Steve Marcus underscore 46732-8. Like, I mean, it doesn't stop them. It has nothing to do with the people they're even questioning. But hey, if it's a good soundbite, why not just run with it? The media will make me look like a hero. And meanwhile, when are we going to get some accountability for all of these Democrat bad actors who continue to push one lie and one hoax after another? Friend of the show, Congresswoman Anna Paulina Luna is actually introducing legislation to do just that. She introduced a resolution to remove lying Adam, full of Schiff, many call him, and many others call him Adam Bullshiff, from Congress. 
for pushing the Russia hoax, pushing a lie that was used as the basis to launch a soft coup against President Trump and wasting millions of taxpayer dollars. Remember that? He's seen the evidence. He didn't see shit. He just never met a camera he didn't love, and they would gladly go along with any lie that he pushed. When I did my own congressional testimony in front of his House Intelligence Committee, and the irony that this guy could sit on the House Intelligence Committee is, uh, is something else, I remember getting out at the end of the day, myself, my lawyers, we couldn't even bring phones into the building. We had to have them in separate locked rooms, and yet I got out of those things after like 12 hours of being grilled, and I opened my Twitter account at 7.30, and amazingly enough, every hour on the hour, there was an update on CNN and other leftist organizations during our bathroom breaks. While that piece of garbage leaked and lied. I remember he must have been the guy that changed some of the emails that I had where they removed the date for congressional testimony, then leaked it to the press. They changed the date. They got rid of, like, think, it's, think of it like a 14, right? August 14th, they get rid of the one to make it seem like it's a four. So I apparently had something, you know, six days before rather than four days after the rest of the world. That's how bad these guys are. And yet there is no accountability. It didn't matter. They lied to the American public. They cost millions of dollars. They wasted precious time, energy, and resources. But they're Democrats, so it's okay. The Democrat lies have done irreparable harm to the country, just like they're doing with the invasion at the southern border. Today, we got even more news about the consequences of an open border. The federal government released data on Wednesday showing that a record 110 1,000 people, okay, 110,000 people died of drug overdose deaths in 2022. Think of that number, guys. It's literally, it's only the second time that drugs have killed more than 100,000 people in a year. You know when the first time was? 2021. The fentanyl is just pouring in. Since Joe Biden took office, 3,925 pounds of fentanyl have been seized at the southern border. For perspective, so you understand that number, so you understand what 3,925 pounds of fentanyl can do, that's enough fentanyl to kill 8.6 billion, with a B, billion people. What's he planning to do to stop it? He hasn't issued a plan. He has no plan. His borders are genius. Kamala Harris is totally missing and absent. So is he just fine with it? At this point, we have to say it's just tacit acceptance. Biden has blood on his hands. It's that simple. When you allow a border to be that porous, to be overrun, it's not just cheap labor for your donors coming across the border, as uh, one of the Democratic Congresswomen from Florida said. It's also deadly drugs. It's children being trafficked for sex. It's everything, every disaster you can imagine. But those deadly drugs kill Americans. They're creating addiction. They're destroying our families, our friends, our loved ones, indiscriminately across every demographic, and it has to stop. But it won't if we allow the insane policies of the Democrat Party today, because it's not even the radical Democrats anymore. It's just the Democrat Party, because there's no one in Congress on the Democrat side that seems to want to do anything. No one that will call out the insanity. No one that's going to call out the nonsense. So I'm really looking forward to talking to Mark Morgan, talking about all of those details. But before we get there, I want to thank our amazing sponsors. Guys, whether it's the border, whether it's fentanyl, whether it's interest rates, inflation, you see what's coming and gold and silver can help protect your retirement savings from inflation and dollar devaluation. We see the storm brewing. We see all the warning signs. I just want you to be prepared. So owning tangible, physical, inflation hedging gold and silver can help diversify your portfolio and protect you from these stupid people and the decisions that unserious people are making in our country on a daily basis. Gold Co. has helped thousands of Americans diversify and protect their retirement savings. So support the companies who support you instead of supporting the woke companies that hate your guts. 
Go to DonJuniorGold.com. That's D-O-N-J-R-Gold.com to learn more. And I also want you to check out Blackout Coffee, one of our newer sponsors, but they do a great job. Again, folks, you don't have to choose between what you believe and what you buy. You're probably going to be drinking coffee. And if you do, support a brand that aligns with your conservative values. It's American-made. It's family-owned. And again, they support what we believe in. It takes some guts to support a show like this. So from sourcing the beans to roasting all of the processes that go in there, Blackout Coffee is never going to compromise on taste or quality. And they do it all while supporting freedom-loving values. Go to blackoutcoffee.com slash Don Jr., D-O-N-J-R. We keep it simple for you. For 20% off your first order, that's blackoutcoffee.com slash Don Jr. You're not going to regret it. So support those companies that support you. Uh, make sure you're liking, sharing these interviews. Download the Rumble app so you can get notifications of when we're going live and see these things. And now I'm excited to bring on uh, you know, a, a great patriot, uh, someone who gets what's going on at the border, someone who gets what's going on within the FBI, Mark Morgan. Mark, thanks so much for joining us here today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Don. It's great. Well, so let's let's start first with the border, right? I mean, you you've overseen three of the three agencies that really you know control uh, you know what's going on down there, but somehow it seems to be getting more chaotic. You worked under both Obama and Trump. You worked under both of those administrations. You know, I'm sure you'll get criticized for having worked under Trump, but you were fine under Obama because, uh, you know, that's uh, that's the way it goes. Can you compare and contrast how those administrations and how those policies uh, differed and then perhaps how much worse it's gotten now under Joe Biden? Yeah, Don, look, that's a great question that I don't get asked enough. And there is a very distinct difference. Now, make no mistake, even when I was chief of the Border Patrol under the Obama administration, a lot of people don't remember then Secretary Mayorkas was the deputy secretary of DHS. So mm -hmm. I, I kind of reported directly to him. And then, of course, Jay Johnson was the secretary. I disagree, honestly, with the majority of policies that, I ha that they had. But here was the difference is that I didn't see them just blanketly lie to the American people. Their policies, although I disagreed with them, they were still trying to come up with some policies that still were balancing their ideology with respect to the importance of securing our border to stop the drugs and criminals and national security threats pouring in, as you described. I'll give you one example. Uh, then Secretary Jay Johnson said, a thousand illegal alien apprehensions a day was a bad day. A thousand. And I know it was a bad day because I was a cheap then. And anytime we had that, it was a bad day for all of us. Now, I mean, the average of 26 months, we're averaging five, six, seven thousand a day for the past 26 months. It's completely out of control. And, and the, the other big difference besides not only did, did they inherit the most secure board in our lifetime and intentionally unsecured it, but Don, they're, they're just lying to the American people about it. I mean, literally everything that comes out of Secretary Mayorkas' mouth about the border security is an abject lie. And, and by the way, what's interesting about it, it's not like there's like nuance to it, right? It's right. it's just flagrantly like, like wow, well, you know, there's nothing we can do. It, it's almost like, well, there's nothing we can, like it's just at this point, it's hard to imagine that it's not just like tacit acceptance, but not tacit acceptance because there's nothing they can do, but they don't want to do anything about it. They're happy to do that. That's they it. want to overwhelm the system uh, and do this. I assume it's about changing demographics in the country. I assume it's about sort of flooding certain areas, and that way you can change the census numbers and get more Democrat representatives it, because it can't be anything else because it feels like the solution is so simple. Trump, you know, and you guys were there. You know, Trump came in. He instituted policies that worked. We, we yep. shrunk those numbers. They go in, they open it, they allow Title 42 to expire. They, there's not even an attempt to do anything about it. And, and again, it's not like it's just a humanitarian crisis and these are real people with real asylum issues. That's bullshit. Like, they, I mean, there's real terrorists coming across the border. I guess they caught more actual people on terror watch list in one day last week than they did in the prior like year. Like, it, it, it's, it's insane. Yeah, Don, look, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. Make no mistake. This isn't uh, by mistake. This isn't uh, born out of incompetence. This was intentional. And look, I, I, I get arrows all the time. I love them or hate your father. The fa Here's the facts. Here's the facts, Don, is that under President Trump, 
we had established the most secure border in our lifetime. And every single data point, in fact, bears that out. We had established a network of tools, authorities, and policies. And, and I want to be clear, not because of Congress. Even though the Republicans had the first two years of you know, the, the, the White House, the House, and Senate, they failed to pass a single piece of border security uh, legislation. This all came from President Trump. And yeah. we did have the most secure border. By February of 2020, we had reduced illegal immigration by 85%, the lowest it had been in decades. This administration on day one came in and started to systematically dismantle that network of tools, authorities, and policies. They, they, they claim that we did that, but yet every time they say that, Don, they, they can't give you an example. I can. The safe third country agreements we had with all three northern triangle countries, Biden, gone. The Remain in Mexico program under Biden, gone. The wall system construction under Biden, gone. The restrictions, the, 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 the refusal to allow ICE to do their job to deport criminal illegal aliens from our streets, gone. And you're absolutely right. I agree 100%. There, there's no other logical conclusion that you could draw why any administration would intentionally unsecure our borders to let drugs, criminals, and national security threats pour in, except they have a perceived political benefit. And you hit both points. It's either because illegal aliens are counted as part of the census and there's a real redistricting going to happen in the favor of the Democrats. And they believe every single illegal alien they find a pathway to citizenship is going to equate to a Democratic vote. So this is about ideology and politics and they're jeopardizing our nation's safety and national security. It's disgusting. Well, it really is, especially, you know, again, it's not like it's like, again, uh, we're, we're, I don't think we're getting a lot of people's finest. You know, if I, I spoke with, uh, you know, a a governor, actually, of one of the states that was down down there recently looking at it. And he's, you know, they're catching, you know, Chinese nationals, yep. uh, Russian nationals. Again, people on the terror watch list. Like, what do they think is going to happen? And, that, and again, that's before you see the record-breaking number of deaths from fentanyl, which is just pouring across that border. I mean, they legitimately do have blood on their hands. And yet the media is, you know... They're going mm. along with the ruse that there's nothing we can do. I mean, the border wall could be completed with $3 billion that, that's already been paid for. Like, the material is resting there in storage. They're paying to store the material that could be used to finish the wall, but we have 130 to send to Ukraine to protect their border. It's, it's mind-blowing. But, I mean, they're, they're acting as though they're the enemy of the people. I mean, they're, they're doing more damage, and the fentanyl is doing more damage than enemy combatants to this country at this point. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Look, they blame everybody but themselves. And now, I mean, for, for the past 27 months, of course, they, they blame President Trump, which is a complete lie. And now, you know, they, the, the new mantra is they're blaming Congress. But the irony to hear to that is, let's not forget, who, who owned the, the, the House and the Senate for the past two years and the White House? The Democrats. Number two is the reality is on day one, President Biden came in. He signed over 300 executive orders with respect to immigration and border security that dismantled everything and then some that I talk about. So it's a lie on top of lie on top of lie. And here's what's really important for, for anyone listening right now. You, you've hit on the three elements. And this is very important because this is how this works. When you incentivize, encourage, and reward illegal immigration, so we've had over 6 million total encounters in 27 months, catastrophic insanity. It's nowhere been anywhere clear, clear uh, near that in, in any time in our history. What happens is border patrol resources are pulled off the line. They're relegated to administrative duties to catch and releasing millions of illegal aliens. The, the, the borders are, are unmanned, unpatrolled. We've literally handed operational control over the cartels, Don, for them to exploit. And what happens? Again, you don't have to be border security expert. You hit it. Drugs are pouring in. That 100,000 number, I think it's very important we put it in perspective. 100,000 Americans have died from drug overdose and poisoning. That's more Americans than died from all the terrorist attacks, the Iraq war, the Afghanistan war, and Vietnam wars combined in a 12-month period. And then, like you said, the terrorists. Right now, hundreds of, of, of uh, illegal aliens on the FBI's terror screening database, database have been recovered by Border Patrol. The issue is 1.7 million total gotaways in 27 months. So the question is, isn't how many we've apprehended. The question yeah. is, how many potential terrorists are among the 1.7 million total gotaways? Literally, Don, we, we could have the next terror sleeper cell in our country, planning the next large-scale terrorist attack, we have no idea. And the last point that, that we there isn't enough talk about are the criminals. 
Think about that. The 1.7 million total Godaways, there are murderers, rapists, pedophiles, aggravated felons, and MS-13 gang members that are pouring into our country every single day, making their way to every town, city, and state, calling home. Yeah, no, I mean, it's crazy. I'm, I'm literally just, the reason I'm looking down, I'm looking at some of the comments, you know, the lady on here, you know, my, my niece died of fentanyl. We, I think we all know someone who's died of fentanyl. It's, it's been a scorch. It's turned every state into a border state because it, it spreads so rapidly. And we know exactly where it's coming from. I mean, you, so you mentioned the cartels and you've run literally like every, you know, let's call it, you know, border customs agency, you know, in that area. Now, you may not be from the military background, but what could we do to, you know, to go after the cartels, uh, you know, whether it's offensively or not. Because again, you know, uh, while the Democrats are doing nothing, there is a component that would say, how do you not treat that many deaths? 110,000, you're right. I mean, that's, that's more than double the amount of deaths from Vietnam, right? From Vietnam, a war that took place over like 13 years. And uh, in one year we had 110,000 deaths and it's like, oh, nothing happened. Like we know where it's coming from. We know who's doing it. And we refuse to designate them as enemy combatants. How is that even possible? And what would you do there? Yeah, I agree, John. This is exactly what we need to be talking about. And actually, I, I am a Marine. Uh, unfortunately, I, I feel like I can't keep a job. Uh, so that, that was my younger <laughs> you, days. You, you've done uh, everything, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, I love and it. One of, my tours, one of my tours as an FBI agent, I was actually a special agent charged of the El Paso division on the border, literally from my office, I could see Juarez. The first thing is, Don, we have to change fundamentally how we view Mexico. They're not a partner. And they haven't been a partner for, for a very long time. So first of all, we have to fundamentally shift that. And second of all, we have to understand that, that not only do, does the Mexican government not have the political will to go after the cartels, but now we're in a position, and I know this, I, again, I've worked at uh, multiple agencies, they don't have the capability. They have no political will. They haven't had that for decades. But now, even if they wanted to, Don, they don't have what it takes to defeat the cartels. The only way that it's going to happen is with military assistance from the United States, in my opinion. The typical uh, traditional criminal prosecutorial method of going after the cartels that we use in a domestic criminal organization, it's a joke. It's failed for decades. Yeah. It's, it's going to continue to fail. We have to fundamentally shift how we go after them. We have to go after the cartels with the same whole-of-government approach, resource commitment, tenacity that we do terrorist organizations, and that includes military intervention. Now, I'm not saying we roll tanks and we stop. We start dropping nukes on there. That's not what I'm saying. But we can use surgical precision military uh, uh, kinetic operations to, to defeat these cartels. The, the best case would be like a, a planned Colombia style where we have a cooperation of the government. But if Mexico doesn't cooperate, the last time I, I checked, we don't need a foreign nation uh, cooperation to protect ours. Yeah, well, and, th and that's the interesting thing. I mean, you talk about they don't have the capability. You're right. I mean, you you're seeing, you know, the cartels are not just taking out, you know, local police officers and those agencies. Right. They own them. They, you know, they're, people are on the payroll. They, but yep. they're doing the same within the military. I mean, they're more sophisticated than the Mexican military. And again, they probably have people on the payroll. They have people on the inside. They, they know what the operation is going to be. They can plan. And again, they have the money with the, the billions that they're raking in from just our our apathy, our neglect uh, to, to fund these things, to literally take on and be their own sort of, uh, you know, national military. Yeah, I, I, Don, I, everything you said, I, I agree with you. You're absolutely right. Look, and that's why I started. The first thing we have to shift is how we look at Mexico. They are not a partner. They are absolutely not. I mean, you have you have AMLO, the president of Mexico, that's saying that, that the drug issue is, is isn't originating in Mexico. That's a U.S. problem. I mean, that's literally absurd. That's because he's on the payroll. And now you describe you're absolutely correct. I wish people would just take five minutes and, and, and get on the website, you know, and, and get on the Web and, and research the, 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 the cartels. They are one of the most powerful, influential, uh, corrupt organizations in the world. They rival terrorist organizations. They take terrorist organizations playbook and they institute it. it I mean, the, the death and destruction that they're doing to this country is rivals any, any terrorist organization's threat that poses to this country. And yet we sit back and we just keep doing the same thing. And oh, this administration, oh, we're going to get tough on the smugglers. I mean, first of all, if we learned anything from 9-11, I was in the FBI when that happened. We transformed fundamentally from a, a, a reactive law enforcement uh, uh, organization and mindset to an intelligence-driven, preventative, proactive 
uh, organization. That's the same approach we need to take with the cartels. We need to stop reacting to them. We need to go to the heart of them. And, and you mentioned something. Look, we, we know the precursor chemicals coming from China to Mexico. We know exactly which ports are they coming into. We know where the super meth labs are. We know how and where the cartels operate. Don, we know all this intelligence. We can, we can institute special operations kinetically and do extensive damage to the cartels overnight. Yeah, and it, you know the, the fact that we have, you know, again, no desire, no willingness. I mean, they're not even having these conversations, and maybe that's the difference that's between right. Biden and Trump. He'd be like, hey, guys, if you don't get control of some of this stuff, we're going to have problems in other things, and it, it's just run rampant. That's why, I mean, it, it's so mind-blowing because, again, it's the kind of thing that you, if you presented this, the problem to a five-year-old, they, they could come up with a reasonable solution, and that's without any sophisticated knowledge of how it even works, and yet you give I it agree. to— Mayorkas, and I don't know, I mean, no, we, we got total control over the border. It's, it's wonderful. I mean, 110,000 people in one year, followed by another year over, I mean, that's almost a quarter of a million people in two years that Joe Biden has been president. And I mean, do we understand how big a number that is? I, I, I mean- Don, And I'll tell you, Don, look, I, 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 first, another phrase you said, so I, I'm gonna agree, because I've used it too. They've got blood on their hands. Don, I, I, I absolutely agree with you, and that's not hyperbole. And the reason why I say this is because he knows that they were warned during the transition. They were warned. We gave them over 200 briefings. The majority of them were, were on border security. We told them, if you do even a, a small amount of what you said you were going to do the, during the campaign, you will unsecure our borders. You will cause a catastrophic crisis of one we've never seen in our lifetime. They ignored our warnings. They ignored border security experts, and they did it anyway. And this is what we happened. If this was done by incompetence, okay, I probably wouldn't say this. I'd say they need to go, but, but I wouldn't say their blood on their hand. Because they knew, because they were warned, because they did this intentional, this is why I agree with you 100% that blood is in our hands. Look, we talk a lot about drugs and national security threats. Let me give you another quick stat on criminals. So from 2011 to 2022, 261,000 criminal illegal aliens committed 433,000 crimes, including 800 homicides, 800 kidnappings, and 5,000 assaults. You know what the mic drop there is? That was only in the state of Texas. This is why wow. I will always support your father, because, because President Trump understood that. He understood the importance of border security. He understood that that was the right thing for our national sovereignty. He knew that border security equaled national security. He knew that if our borders were not secure, uh, 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 Americans would suffer and die every single day, and that's exactly what's happening now. Yeah, it, you know, I, I, wow. That, I mean, that's that's in, insane. I mean, uh, that was just Texas alone. But you also see Texas some of these things. You know, guy that's been deported seventeen times and has raped numerous people and murdered someone. Like, they would rather release him than prosecute him because it's like if you're an illegal alien and you're a criminal, you are treated better than an American citizen. They are giving you more of a benefit of a doubt than you would as a law-abiding citizen, a taxpayer of the United States of America. They wanna let them go, I guess, because it doesn't hurt their statistics as badly because it's so obvious what's going on that they just wanna try to pad that file. But every time I read a report, I'm like, well, this guy's been deported 17 times last week. The guy, you know, he killed his neighbors and their eight-year-old child because they asked him not to fire guns while the kid was sleeping at night in his backyard. I'm, he just goes and murders them. He's been deported five times. And, well, we can't talk about, you know, they try to say Texas man. No, 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 no. Illegal alien deported yep. five times, four times, whatever it was. He's still here. He's still doing this, committing the most heinous crimes, and they get treated better. If it was me, I'd be in jail for life. If it was you, same thing. But if you're that, oh, well, we got it. We, we, we can't make it look worse than it, than it is. I mean, it's insane. Yeah. And, and, and Don, to, to footstep when we said about that, that scumbag that you're talking about, yeah, so he'd been deported three times. Local law enforcement had been called out there before. Now, I don't blame them because even if they had called, even if they knew uh, he was an illegal alien and they would have called ICE under Secretary Myricus, he wouldn't have been a priority. ICE would have said, yeah, not a problem. Our secretary says that man wouldn't have been a priority because being in the country illegally doesn't, doesn't mean anything under the secretary because he views the law as a mere advisory opinion. So that I'll go back. That's exactly why I say blood is on his hands. Because I wasn't even looking for a guy like that. And you're absolutely right. The, 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 our border's policies are absolutely representation of America last. 
I mean, you talk about I, I, how many stories, how, how many, I mean, there's actually an organization, every day, there's actually an organization in America, it's called AVIAC, a- Advocates for Victims of Illegal Aliens. We have an organization for it. I mean, Rebecca testified, the mother of two 14-year-old, uh, uh, two, two sons under the age of 14-year-old that had died from fentanyl poison. They, they took taken something else. They didn't know it was fentanyl. Or the young 22-year-old girl that was savagely raped and beaten, strangled to death by an illegal alien. I mean, wh- when, how many more Americans have to die? And another thing they don't talk about, the migrants. The, the, the so-called safe, orderly, humane process for illegal aliens. It's bullshit, Don. It's a lie. In the last 27 months, CBP has recovered over 1,600 dead migrants. We know 30% of young women and children are sexually assaulted on a journey. And you mentioned in your monologue, in your opening, once they even get to the United States, then untold numbers are thrust into the life of trafficking, labor, and sex. I mean, it's all a big lie. I mean, yeah. secure our borders. There's no downside. It would save American lives and the lives of migrants. Yeah, and, and that's the statistic. I mean, I, I remember, you know, the outrage when Trump said it in his intro speech back in, you know, 2015, uh, you know, on June 16th, there's rapists. There's not rapists. It's like, no, no, no. 30% of these young women and girls are raped. 30% of of millions of people. I mean, think about how, how brutal that is, what that does. And it's only because we've rolled out the welcome mat. You know, many of them come because they're like, okay, we're going to get free education. We're going to have free health care. We're going to be welcomed in there. They're telling us to basically come. They're... I understand why they're putting themselves in these situations. I don't think they know what they're quite getting into, but I mean, how does the American public not know that statistic? How does the mainstream media not talk about 30% of thousands of people a day, hundred millions a year being raped? You know, I remember it wasn't when my father gave the speech, right? Actually, no one said anything about it because everyone knew that was actually accurate. It was like two weeks later, when Trump started going up in the polls and all of a sudden it was real, that's when the outrage cycle happened because it's all fake. They don't actually yep. care. They're just going to use it to knock out someone who's a conservative or someone who's competitive against their insane agenda. So, you know, but I mean, 30 percent, like I can't even as a human, like can't. how do they not want to do something about this? Yeah, Don, that's exactly right. That, that's why I get so outraged. And that's why I, I would say people ask me how I'm doing. I say, hey, look, every day I wake up angry, pissed off and frustrated. Right. It, it's, it's because they, they intentionally destroy and they're lying to the American people. It's all BS. It's, it's just one big, large, false narrative and lie. I, I mean, they keep try, trying to, to, to feign this like they care about the immigrants. They don't give a crap about the immigrants coming here. I remember Joe Biden is creeping away, leaned into the microphone and said, do you really think that these migrants would come here and risk their lives? You know, yes, yes, because you have told the entire world, come, come. If you make it to the U.S. border, if you set one foot on American soil, we're going to let you in. No questions asked. We're going to reward you and never deport you. You're damn right they're going to risk everything, including their lives, because you've told them it's worth it. If you yeah. take away those incentives, like, for example, if you in catch and release, look, you, you said a minute ago, you don't have to be a border security expert. If you stop releasing illegal aliens in the United States, shocker, wait for it, they'll stop coming. They stop coming, their lives will be spared, and we'll be able to secure the border. It's yeah. that simple, Don. It, it, it's, it's so obvious. It's so clear. Yeah. So, yeah, guys, again, this is a conversation you're not going to see anywhere else. So, you know, again, make sure, you know, click the like button right now. Make sure that other people can see this from someone, again, who knows. Mark has been there. He's been in charge of these agencies. You've, you've been involved in, in so much that's so relevant to what we're talking about, Mark. But, like, let, let's expand that a little bit, okay? You, you also worked as an FBI special agent combating MS-13 gang violence. What was that like? I mean, what, what's, the, what's the link between like the gangs and the cartels? Are they one in the same? Are the gangs a tool of the cartel? Are they sort of their own, you know, their own cartel? You know, how do the gangs take advantage of our border as well? It's a little bit of everything, but make no mistake, what you said about a tool is spot on. I, I supervised an MS-13 gang task force in Los Angeles, Southern California in the mid-2000, at really the height. Um, at that time, and I still think they are, they are the most powerful, influential, prolific transnational gang in the United States. Their motto is rape, kill, and control. I think that sums up exactly uh, you know, how they are operating and what motivates them. But they are. 
this is what we've been saying. This is why you said it early, and again, you spot on. This is why we say every state is a border state. If, if there are gangs in your area, I promise they're connected to the southwest border. They're connected to the smuggling organizations who are connected uh, to the cartels. The gangs are a tool of the cartels. They are extension of. For example, let's talk about drugs. The, the drugs would not get into our local communities from the southwest border without the gangs. They are the cartel's drug distribution arm that, that gets it into, into the communities. I'll give you one example. I, I mean, it's so sophisticated, Don. Uh, let's take uh, Oklahoma. Uh, you, Oklahoma, for, from the moment the drugs are manufactured in, in, in Mexico and they come across our border, they already know exactly what routes they're going to take to get the drugs into, into the state of Oklahoma. The entire state is divided up into regions and the drugs go into those regions. And then, of course, the gangs take the drugs and they distribute them through the community. It's that simple. It's done all day long, all night long. Well, you know, in working, you know, obviously you see some of the stuff, you, you know, yeah, rape, murder, control, uh, you know, they, I mean, if that's their, uh, their motto and their credo, I mean, these are, you know, again, as, as my father would say, not, our, not their finest uh, that they're sending they're, over here. And they're doing these they're animals. Like, they're animals. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, said they're animals said, and they're no, right. no, Mark, they're human beings. I was like, no, they're fucking animals. Yeah, like, they're there's, animals. No other, there's no other word and they need to be treated accordingly, uh, right. like rabid animals, frankly. But, you know, maybe... Do you have any of the sort of horror stories, just to def just so people understand, again, just how bad these people are, just how vicious and violent uh, they are? You know, just to set that example and the tone, because you know most people, oh yeah, they're bad people. It's not like you know, uh, like th there's there's a level where it's so much further than that that I, you know, again, I think you need that sometimes to understand just how just how evil this all is. Yeah, think of the worst thing that you could do to human beings. And they've done it, whether that's burn people alive, behead them, uh, institute a ritual of raping uh, female gang, gang members as, as initiation. I mean, Don, it goes on. Think of the worst that, that any human being could do to another. MS-13 has done it. They have no rules. They don't care. Uh, they have no respect for law enforcement, unlike the, the, the Italian mafia who always had this kind of love-hate relationship, but they respected the police for doing their job. MS-13 doesn't have that. They'll kill law enforcement. Uh, they'll kill your neighbor. They'll kill a rival gang member. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I had heard something about, you know, they literally crossed the border. They killed like a, a baby. They crossed the border into California and, and killed the baby of someone, you know, and then just went back and it was like that was the lesson. Like they're, they're doing that on U.S. soil. They're not without, just being without, evil with, in Mexico. They're doing it across the border indiscriminately. That's correct. Without even blinking an eye, Don, that's absolutely correct. They, they are. That's why I say they are the most prolific, dangerous, violent transnational gang operating in the United States that we've ever seen. So if you were in Mayorkas' shoes today, if you could take over that role, what are the things that you'd institute right away to just yep. to start shutting this down? Because I feel like there's a point where it's like you allow it to go on. You, you build up. You let the cartels build up that much money. It becomes much harder to stop that. The bigger these organizations become, the more entrenched, the more money they have. You know, the technology I hear about them using, you know, it's. You know, they're they're almost on par with what we have in terms of the technology, at least based on what I read. It's not like yep. you know when we went to Afghanistan, you, you know, you fight at night because we have night vision and these sorts of things. Like the gangs have drones and night vision and this and like uh, it's going to make it a lot harder to take it back over if and when we get control again. Yeah, that's right. The, the, make no mistake, the cartels are a paramilitary organization and they're armed as such. Uh, they have a hierarchy as such, and they're organized as such, and they're extremely effective. If I was Secretary Mayorkas, Don, the first thing I'd do is I'd fire myself. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then, you know, if, they, if that didn't happen, here's the thing. Let's secure the border, because if you secure the border, I'm not trying to be tongue-in-cheek here. If you secure the border, you're going to take a, a very important funding me mechanism away from the cartels. So if you, one of the aspects to defeat the cartels, you got to attack them where the money, you got to hit them where it hurts. And so if you secure the border, and we can do that. Look, I, I say this all the time, too. I'm not, I'm not just saying because I'm on with you. I say it everywhere else. Because all they have to do is reach up to the shelf, look for the, 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 the binder that says, 
Trump border security plan. Pull that off, dust it off, re-implement it. Reinstitute the safe third country agreements. Start building the wall. Reinstitute the Remain in Mexico program. Give ICE back their authority to conduct interior enforcement to remove criminal aliens. You just start with that. There's a whole other stuff that he, we, we did. You start with that. You're going to see illegal immigration drop. You're going to see border security go up in, in, in just a couple of months. That's going to hurt the cartels financially. And then on top of that, as a country, we need to fundamentally shift how we go after the cartels. We need to go after them the same way we do terrorist organizations. Yeah, no, yeah. Remember, uh, I, I heard that they are not the biggest threat to America. It's uh, white supremacists or something like that. I mean, it, it, you know, you, you can't make this stuff up anymore. But you know, speaking of like just sort of insanity, today, literally today, several FBI whistleblowers came forward to Congress to give testimony uh, in which they described retaliation by the FBI, by the Federal Bureau of Investigations. One agent said that the FBI suspended his security clearance due to him forwarding along information that questions the prevailing narrative of January 6th. Uh, you know, what do you make of that? As someone who also, you know, again, not just Border Patrol and you know, all of the agencies surrounding, but that was also in the FBI dealing with this stuff. What do you make of the FBI today? Is it beyond repair? Can it be reformed or do you just have to start from scratch? Yeah, Don. So that's the question. Um, I spent 20 years in the FBI, 20 years of my life, the majority of my adult life. And uh, this week's been a sad week. Uh, the Durham report and now this. And, you know, your question is spot on. I, I, I literally was having that question. A, a, another former colleague who spent 22 years in the FBI, uh, we, we ask each other the same question. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, because he, here I'm going to say something that's very hard for me is because I think what's happened, it all started with Comey, is it's not just about the leadership. It's a cultural issue now. And my concern is, is those cultural deficits have permeated down into the FBI more so than just the leadership. And let me give you a concrete example. During the riots of 2020, I, I never thought I would see this. FBI agents on duty wearing their ballistic vest with FBI across the chest. They were guarding a, a monument in D.C. And they knelt down in solidarity with the Black Lives uh, Matter movement. Don, I'm telling you that in my time, in the FBI, that would never happen. That's unconscionable. I don't care but what, where you stand, where you think that's right, wrong or different. It doesn't matter. You leave your ideology. You leave your politics as an FBI agent at the door. And, and that's exactly why a, a, a big chunk of America has fundamentally their trust has fundamentally eroded in the FBI. And today, to hear these multiple whistleblowers, look, we, we can we can have discussion, uh, you know, uh, and investigate whether is there truth to that, you know, is there credibility to that? Those are all fair questions. But but here here's what happened: the perception is there. This this is not good. And 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 the the, the leading Democrat before they even heard one word of testimony from them. What were her opening statements? She actually accused them of being a national security threat. She attacked these, uh, the, the, these individuals, actually attacked them. Instead of asking thought-provoking, meaningful, legitimate questions to try to investigate to get to the bottom of it, she attacked them. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they're, it, you're, you're right. Uh, you know, I wish it was just the guys at the top like Comey. Now, again, I, I always make the distinction between the door kickers because I can't tell you the amount of times yep. I, go, you know, I go somewhere and someone's like, Hey, man, I'm an FBI agent. Like, uh, but, you know, the people who would say something, the people who are clearly conservative, the people who you know, they also know that if they do say they're never getting promoted, they're not doing if okay. you got the woke ideology, it's like the woke military. You know, you're going to get promoted. You're going to be in those positions of power. So it, it encourages the worst of the worst, the people you probably wouldn't want in those positions to actually be there. And, and then they're taking care of themselves. It it's so broken uh, you know, if, if they're, you know, shutting out FBI agents for questioning and they're, I mean, isn't it your job to kind of get to the bottom of it? And now that we know yeah. two um, years later, now that we've seen the video, I'm like, wait a minute. Like, you know, I, I don't know that too many people other than the media and, and the sheep, you know, many of which are in this country, unfortunately, you know, it was the first unarmed insurrection in the history of the world. And we must believe that this was like, they didn't show us the video. They didn't do this. And it's hard to figure out for the first couple of days. But after two years of not releasing anything, after two years of American citizens not getting due process, and they still want to expand the web uh, to find more of those people, knowing now that the insanity of this. But 
But Comey can partake with Obama, with Hillary, with everyone to subvert the duly elected president of the United States. I mean, that is a broken system. That is something that needs to be it burned is. to the ground because that didn't just happen at one level. That happened at numerous levels from the top. And again, there are plenty of door kickers, the guys that do the real work, the guys that understand, you know, that, that have operated a firearm, uh, you know, unlike the bureaucrats like Comey and these people who wouldn't know one from, you know, from a hole in the wall. But that is the, those are the people that are making the decisions. And, and, and it's much more pervasive, unfortunately. Yeah, Don, look, I, I agree with you. And, and there is, look, I, you're right. The, the vast majority of the, the, the door kickers, the, the line agents and, and, and the analysts, intelligence analysts, professional support, they're right on and they're good. But you're right. Look, I've been in that environment. And you know, if, if, if the culture is going one way and you want to continue to, to, to have a decent career, you're just going to keep your head down. You're going to shut up. That's bad for any organization. I think there's a lot of that going on the FBI. Uh, and let's not forget, you know, January 6th, what, what I think a lot of times, unfortunately, has been lost in the narrative is the riots in 2020. I was commissioner at the time. And, you know, the Portland, the, the federal uh, Hatfield Courthouse in Portland, Oregon, every single night. Here, here's why, in part, the American people have developed this distrust in the FBI and the, and the Department of Justice. You know, in, in 2020, there were criminal opportunists attacking the federal courthouse every single night. Don, they were literally trying to burn it to the ground, throwing Molotov cocktails. They were assaulting federal agents every single night. Not, not a couple of days, not one day, week after week after week. And to my knowledge, there has been one single federal investigation with respect to, to criminal opportunists literally trying to burn down yeah. a federal courthouse. The last time I checked, that's also an important symbolism of American justice. So the, the, you know, when, when, I, when I saw this today, and, and I saw Democrats attacking the, these individuals that have come forward. You said another thing that's very important. I mean, a, 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 an, an FBI agent, part of what we do is investigate, to ask questions. <laughs> yeah. None of that, right? Right? None no, you must. Mark, you must just take the talking points that's put it. forth by someone who's not actually in law enforcement. <laughs> but, you know, Adam Schiff or one of the other liars in Congress, and you must blindly follow it. You can't actually investigate. You can't actually get to the bottom of it. Then you see the obvious things. I mean, uh, you know, I love your thoughts on sort of the whole entrapment scheme around, you know, the fake Gretchen Whitmer governor of Michigan kidnapping. I mean, it's it's literally clear. I mean, it's not even like it's not an exaggeration or hyperbole. There were teams of FBI agents that could be actually investigating real crimes. They could be trying to prevent things like, you know, the the Wisconsin Christmas parade massacre from a black supremacist, someone who'd been on social media actively promoting these things. You know, but when, when that happens, it was a car that drove through a parade, not a racist individual. They were on the radar, but you know, we checked a couple of boxes, so we couldn't we couldn't actually investigate it. If they spend as much time trying to prevent actual crimes as they do seemingly trying to entrap people uh, and, and push them into committing them so that they can, you know, come, oh, we, we stopped it. It's amazing. I was like, we had 30 people trying to convince, like, one meth head to do something and, like, for a two-year period of time, and that, that's, the, that's what you're doing with your time? Uh, yeah, yeah. It doesn't Don, feel Don, like look, it's good I use of uh, resources. Well, look, as I'm listening to you, I mean, you're making the case why a large chunk of the American people have developed a distrust in the FBI and the Department of Justice. Everything you just said, that's not hyperbole. Those are legitimate concerns. Those are legitimate reasons why that trust has been eroded. And now this comes down to leadership. Where is Director Ray? Look, I was a commissioner of CBP, an organ a law enforcement organization almost twice the size of the FBI. If I was the FBI agent right now, what I would have done the day after the Durham report was released, I would have held a national press conference. And I would have talked directly to the American people. And I would have said, yep, we failed. Yep, here's where we got it wrong. Again and again and again. Here's what we're doing. I wouldn't just generically say it. I give them specific details, especially about the FISA and the, the red flags and the safeguards we put in place. And here's what I would do most importantly. What what you what I was hearing when you were talking is I would acknowledge the American people have lost trust in the FBI. Look, whether he agrees with it, whether he likes it, whether he thinks it's right or justified, it doesn't freaking matter. It doesn't matter because it's real. And as the director, they can FBI cannot do their job without the American trust. It's his job to regain that. And the other thing that I would do, uh, uh, these whistleblowers, 
is as a director, I'd also say, and to the American people, here's what I'm promising you. I am going to support and I'm going to drive an independent investigation into every single one of these complaints by these proven patriots. And I'm going to get to the bottom of this. And at the end of the day, I'm going to make those investigations public. That's what we need to hear from the FBI to remotely begin to regain the trust. But he's not out there and I don't think he's going to do it. And that's why I think he needs to go as well as Secretary Mayorkas. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, I remember when there was a whistleblower like, you know, what what others in the military that I, that I know have called, you know, chow thief Alexander Vindeman and these other kinds of whistleblowers were they were beyond reproach. They, there was nothing you could say uh, that could tarnish them, even if it was clearly biased, even if they were lying, even if it was proven to be nonsense or whatever. It, there was nothing that they could say that you could question. And yet. When these things come out, when agents can show clear examples of reprisal immediately after on them, the second they talk, they're transferred, they're moved, their stuff's locked up and they're kept away from it. One agent testified, I mean, he literally couldn't feed his family because they locked him, all of his stuff out away from him. I mean, it's, it's so obvious. And yet, you know, if it was the other way, if it was against Trump, if it was, this, that agent would be treated like a deity. Uh, and and yep. it's, again, the, the unequal enforcement of our justice system, of our laws uh, against people like this. You know, these people are treated like they're pariahs for being whistleblowers against something that's clearly wrong against the dictum and the, 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 the job that they're supposed to do. Uh, and yet it seems perfectly fine. And the Democrats in Congress will attack these people. If it was the other way around, they'd be on a pedestal and the mainstream media would be parading them around on CNN and MSNBC all day long, and they'd be given the largest soapbox in the world. When it's the other yep. way around, when there's clear examples, clear violations, uh, whether it's Russia, 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 whether it's the Durham report, whether it's the insanity uh, that we're seeing daily, no, 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 that's a different story. Yeah, exactly right. Look, Don, what you're saying, that's, it's not conjecture. It's not your opinion. You gave us a perfect illustration where we had a front row seat, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, when I saw today, I saw the Democrats on this committee act like prosecutors going after somebody that they had alleged committed a heinous crime. That's that. That's what I saw today. It was unconscionable. I, I mean, the leading Democrat, she should be admonished and she be, should be removed from that committee for actually uh, uh, alleging that they are a national security threat. But look, a fair question would have been to, to one of them. Say, hey, look, I understand that you thought the supervisors were trying to intimidate and retaliate against you. But is it possible that that they saw that you had that they really believe that you had committed a violation of FBI policy and they were trying to give you guidance. You know, is, is, is that something that's possible, you know, agent so-and-so? Look, that, that, that's a fair, reasonable question under the circumstances. Now, I think most of us would, would disagree, but, but that would be a fair question. But to say, hey, before they even listen to him, you're a national security threat and to attack him like you just described, it's unconscionable. That, that, that's not who we are as a country. Well, unfortunately, that's where we're headed. But uh, you know, since, since you worked with both Border Patrol and the FBI, I think maybe you have like a unique perspective. Can you talk about like how the policy priorities of those you know, government agencies have changed over the years? You know, was there a particular moment that stands out to you where it was like, man, we're, we're going in the wrong direction? Did you see sort of, you know, that that switch uh, that was flipped from, you know, Again, I, I was guilty of my, you know, when they were doing the stuff to me about Russia, right? I was like, wait a minute, like, there must be something, right? The FBI, I, they, there's got to be something to this. I don't think I did anything, but, you know, I, I take 100 selfies a day. Maybe someone took a selfie with me and then they're actually connected to something. Like, even I was giving them the benefit of the doubt as they're trying to go after me for treason. I, I, I think knowing what I know now, that was foolish and naive. But, you know, after years of history, you wanted to see that. But, you know, when you were in these agencies, was there that moment that stands out to you where everything changed? And what was it? Yeah, in the FBI, it was Director Comey. Uh, I saw from the, the, the moment Director Comey became director, a fundamental shift in the culture in the FBI, and it was not positive. Uh, I believe he's the one that, that started the, the kind of woke culture uh, within the FBI. Uh, his leadership style, I, I think, led started to, to lead the, uh, the FBI in a, in a very bad direction. Look, Director Ray had the opportunity 
I think he could have and should have come in and just clean house. Not personal, but he should have removed all the top leadership and started anew. He had the opportunity. I think he failed at that. I think he's continuing to fail. So, you know, talk about that a little bit. Like, what, what's, you know, when, when you, and I, again, I know from experience, because a lot of people come up to me, but you, you know a lot more of them. But, you know, uh, how do you think morale inside the FBI is right now? I, I mean, I would think the vast majority of Americans, uh, you know, the guys that come up to me is like, you know, there's a tarnish on our badge. They're embarrassed. I mean, but I think the vast majority of the Americans probably agree with that. They're losing faith in what was once seen as probably the most preeminent, you know, federal law enforcement agency, maybe in the world, you know, yeah. you know, what happened and, and, and what's going on, you know, inside the agency in terms of morale and maybe the same question as it relates to the Border Patrol. Yeah, well, Border Patrol is easy. They're, they're decimated. I, I, I mean, their, their morale is the worst it's ever been. Uh, literally, they know that that every effective tool and authority for them to be able to do their job has been removed because of politics. Uh, they have no respect for any of their leadership within Border Patrol and all the way up through the secretary to the president of the United States. It's the lowest I've ever seen. In addition to that, Don, I tell you, in the FBI, I think there's a there's a fracture in there. Uh, there's a good chunk of people that that are disheartened with what's going on. And I think there's others that are still kind of holding on and they're just being quiet. Uh, but but make no mistake, at the end of the day, the FBI, they're struggling. And and I think they've they, they've been tarnished and they've left. They've lost what I think uh, traditionally has been known for the, the world's finest law enforcement agency in the world. And um, so it's, it's it's tragic. And I, I hate to do this, Don, but I, I've actually got to run. Uh, I've, I've got to move on to another another interview. Uh, all good. Man. Well, well, Mark, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. As things uh, pop up, guys, we're going to you know, talk to Mark more about what's going on the border as more evidence comes out about the FBI. Uh, we're going to talk about that. I really appreciate your time here tonight and uh, look forward to having you back on again. And guys, thank you so much for tuning in again. Make sure you like and share this stuff so other people can see it. Also, make sure to go check out our great sponsors. Uh, go check out Goldco. Watch what's going on. Understand the economic storm that's brewing. I just want you to be prepared. So think about owning tangible, physical gold and silver. Go check out DonJuniorGold.com. The folks at Goldco can take you through it. Educate yourselves. I just want you to be prepared. And in doing so, you know, support the companies who support your values. Also, go check out Blackout Coffee. Uh, you know, again, made in America right here in Florida. Every aspect of it is family owned. They support your values from sourcing beans to roasting. All of that's done right here. Go check out blackoutcoffee.com slash Don Jr. for 20% off your first order blackoutcoffee.com slash D-O-N-J-R. Uh, you're really going to like it. And guys, if you're on Locals, uh, I'm going to head over there. So I'll, I'll do my Ask Me Anything there. Uh, check it out and uh, look forward to seeing you over there shortly. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. And uh, I will see you on Monday.